1: Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at Mintmobile.com slash
0: switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at Mintmobile.com oh!
2: Hello, and we are thrilled to welcome you to episode 15 of Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Charlie, and I'm delighted that we've got the full crew in tonight. That's Ash, that's Billy T, that's Rosa, and that's Tom. Lots to cram in tonight, and it's all good stuff. Uh, We toast a heartening cup win over the chip-swooping seagulls of Brighton. That's a gag I nicked from our mate Jack. Um, A win, of course, that included two new debuts. Uh, That led us to thinking about a textbook hometown glory segment, memorable Spurs debuts, good and bad. So we're going to be going through ours and including your shout outs there. We've also got to look ahead to two Premier League home games this week with Southampton and then Wolves. Uh, We're going to cover a very good weekend for Spurs women and of course, hand over our weekly culture picks. But first, Brighton... Um, As is customary on hometown Glory, I want one thing you liked and one thing you very much didn't like about the 3-1 win, please. Billy, you can start us off.
3: Yeah, um, I think the thing that I liked about it, it was a really good performance, but just the way that we went for a full-strength team, um, I think in the past... Under certain managers, um, and even certain managers that I love. Um, we have attempted to, like, in the third and fourth round of the FA Cup, play like a second string team. We got knocked out, I'll never forget when we got knocked out to Palace at home mm. under Pochettino, which is a real low blow for me because then Palace went on to um, have two really easy games into the final, and then they played Man United in the final, and we just beat Man United 3 0 that season. So I've never really forgotten that. So it's good to go full strength under Quante. I just really want to win the FA Cup. Like I think it's been so long since we won it. And we are an FA Cup team. I think you might have seen the tweet yesterday. Um, we've scored more goals in the FA Cup than any other team in the country. Um, it's about time we won it again. So it's good to see the manager taking it seriously. So that was the positive for me. The negative for me was, I think last, time, last week I said, it's the first time in ages I remember that we had no injury concerns. And somehow in the two days of no matches in between, we've managed to lose a couple of players like Dyer and Skip and Tanganga have all been injured. And I've just seen today that they're still going to be injured for the Southampton game. I don't know what's happened in like, those two days in between us recording and us playing, but we've managed to lose three players in just training. So we're still picking up injuries, even though for the first time in ages, it looked like we're going to have a fully fit squad. But um, And I think Skip and Dyer are such big blows for us. You know, Tanganga, we can sort of deal with, but they're two massive players for us. So it's, it's a shame, hopefully... They're not going to be big injuries, but yeah, that was my negative.
2: I'm going to go to Rosa next because I wonder if um, her positive from the South from the Southampton game, from the Brighton game, might be linked to why Eric Dyer missing isn't the end of the world that perhaps we all feared it might be. Because once again, Davinson Sanchez shut people like me up with another really good performance. Um, Rosa, as uh, El Presidente of the <laughs> Davinson Fan Club, you must be delighted.
4: I'm so happy. I'm just so thrilled. Um that actually wasn't going to be my one thing, but I will happily talk about Davinson Sanchez anyway. Um yeah, he was I, w- I won't say impeccable because I did notice a few like what we like to think of as like classic Dav moments, notably when I think he just passed straight to a Brighton player early on, um but recovered pretty well from that. And it just all seemed to work pretty well. I think a lot of that is obviously due, due to the fact that Christian Romero is back. And that means that we have, mm. like, just an incredible central defender back. Um, yeah, I don't understand what's wrong with Dyer. Has he, he just fallen back into his, like, sickly child ways or something? That's a slight concern. But, yeah, I feel like this, the back three as it stands, even without Dyer, I think will be all right. Um, my person that I loved though was the debut of Rodrigo Bentonclaw who just came on and did exactly what needed to be done which was put on an put an immediate reducer on Basuma, who seemed to be just like running the show like unexpected well not unexpectedly but like um we couldn't we that was sort of my thing that I didn't like it seemed like one change made a massive difference and all of a Mm. sudden he was running the show and I feel like it shouldn't have taken us That much by surprise. It seemed just kind of bamboozle the entire team for at least what, like 15, 20 minutes, which seemed unnecessary. But we did obviously kind of wrestle control back, which was extremely pleasing. And also, I think I'd agree with Billy as well, just the fact that we went full strength, we sort of had that moment just before um the team was announced didn't we where we thought Kane wasn't starting and i was like that's fine i'm happy with that i don't think we should go full strength like i want fourth place yada yada and then like 2 minutes later I was made like an absolute buffoon like that's fine it just shows that i like so once again i've just been shown how much how like little i know about elite football management that's fine antonio conte i feel like you clearly know what you're doing so i'm just going to be quiet and like you, you just carry on. It's fine. But yeah, like a very satisfying day all around, I thought.
2: Ash, what thing did you like?
1: I love just the general aggression, like Rosen, the tackle on Basuma. But I think Romero and I can't remember who else, but like someone else went through uh, Lampty really early and he was just quiet from then on. So I think that was really good. And a particular highlight was just I loved Hoiberg celebrating a throw-in like we'd won the league. Um, I just love it when he does that. So those are my highlights. I, I sadly missed the game. Um, so I, I watched it on TV, which was kind of quite a nice change as well.
2: Um, I watched it from a different seat than my normal seat. I ended up watching it really, really, really close to the front of, the, front of the pitch, sort of down, down basically by the dugout. So I was sort of half watching Conte throughout um, and half watching the match my main takeaways are that Conte is just like baseline furious throughout. So I don't think there's much to be read through anything he does. Cause he's just like constantly sort of harrumphing around, turning like he'll watch something and then inevitably, you know, an attack will break down or we'll do something silly and he'll just turn around with his arms in the air, seek out his brother, usually, or the really scary um, uh, sort of main number two, the sort of tall one that, just, like, is the most frightening looking man that we've ever employed at Tottenham, and I love him. Um, So you're
4: saying that Antonio Conte is one of us, essentially?
2: I don't know if he wants to be one of (laughs) us, sort of, like, spiritually, but I think we're seeping into him week on week. When you say scariest
5: man we've ever ever employed, does that include Joe Jordan? I think it does, yeah.
2: I think so. I mean, there's definite Jordan-esque vibes. The other thing, I think, when you watch it right down low, sort of pitch side, you're struck by, obviously, and this is like fan watching live football 101, but just how relentlessly quick it is and how good certain players' first touches are compared to others. And I think I was reminded just on a different level that Harry Kane and Sonny particularly are in terms of how crisp their touches are, how they manage managed to just keep things moving in a way that the others sort of are a little bit more tentative. And Romero as well, just the man is a Rolls-Royce and I am so excited for what we can do with him sort of leading the team. Those are my bits. Tom, what did you like and dislike?
5: Uh, well, it's bittersweet for me because I didn't go, I didn't get a ticket. I was sort of pissed off that they moved it to a Saturday night and that I couldn't take my daughter. I'm still pretty annoyed that they moved it to an... Eight o'clock on a Saturday for
2: ITV Four. Weirdly, um, Tom, there were there were loads of um, loads and loads of kids like way past their bedtime, like kind of overexcited, like five and six year olds. I saw everywhere, which was kind of nice, but I did feel for you. I was like, oh, maybe Tom should have. Uh,
5: yeah, I mean, the five year old. I think it would have been a bit past the five year old's bedtime. Mm. Should have been asleep on me by nine. Um, yeah, so I was annoyed at that. Um but my positive would be just Som being back, to be honest.
2: Yeah, he was great. He really was.
5: So he, he was really good, he looked lively, and I think maybe that break might do him some good. He always kind of had ebbs and flows and quite often drops off in the middle of the season or towards the end of the season. So maybe I know he was injured, but maybe a break uh will do him good. Uh and yeah, like echoing what you guys have said as well I like I've moaned so much in the past with particularly Pochettino not playing a full-strength side in the in the domestic cups. so are you I've got to praise Conte for playing such a strong such a strong side um one other FA Cup thought though I did watch Chelsea v Plymouth and <laughs> Plymouth scored against Chelsea and it was a really strong Chelsea side, as strong as any that played us this season. And Plymouth scored against Chelsea within eight minutes and we've played 360 minutes, probably probably 400 minutes, including extra time uh, this season. And we still can't score against them. So, uh, yeah, big up oh. Plymouth. Good on, good on Plymouth.
2: The good news, Tom, is that the dream is not yet over. We still might get our chance to score a, a goal against Chelsea this season, because you know basically. you know full well we're we're drawing them at some point in the FA Cup this Fifth season.
5: game against Chelsea, and it, and like I said, really strong side against Plymouth, and then Plymouth score within eight minutes. <laughs>
4: um, can I just come back to um, the point about how different, like? Kane and son are to like certain other players because there was an absolutely hilarious moment when Berg came on and he does he's kind of gone back to like uh bad Berg for a bit hasn't he where he and Kane were sort of like on the break together and Kane passing the ball and Berg just pretty much like fell over his own feet and you could sort of see Kane kind of looking at him being like that doesn't happen with the other guy <laughs>
5: I mean, that was a really bad miss towards the end of the game from Berg, wasn't it? That
4: yeah. was
2: another one. Shocking. Yeah, that was yeah. another moment. He was he was quite terrible, actually. And I don't want to be down on someone who a few weeks ago we were ready to build a statue of. But um, yeah, there was a marked downturn in our quality of counter-attack when Bergvine and, and again, I'm not going to be down on Kulisewski at all because it was his debut and I thought, Watching pitch side. I'm, I'm like so obsessed about the fact I watched this like from a different seat. It's pathetic. He looked really, really, really nervous to me. Kulisevsky. His first couple of touches were like, I felt as if I would be asked to go and play, and you just don't want to do anything silly. So you just play like the most conservative passes and you don't try and like even run. And I know that there's a bit of a knock on how quick or otherwise Kulosevsky might actually be, but yeah, he just did not quite look like he had his sea legs at the stadium yet unlike of course as bent uh, as as Rosa said Ben Sincor, who just I think came in and looked so polished and so accomplished and composed and it's very difficult when you know we're talking about what like a 20-minute cameo but I'm really really excited about him I think he's just going to come in and like elevate that composure in our midfield that we've lacked so dramatically I'm really excited um any other thoughts on the two debutants that anyone had, Billy? What were your uh,
3: opening yeah, you know, I, I, I thoughts? Um, Kulusevski did end up being a bit unlucky because he put two on the plate, one for Kane, one for Bergwijn, and the Bergwijn one in particular was a, a bad miss. Um, <clears throat> so he's sort of, and then the one he put on Kane as well, you, it wasn't really the easiest chance, but in the form that Kane's in, you'd expect him to score on it. Um, so I think he was unlucky not to get an assist. I think he's like a different kind of winger to what we've got. Like we've got a lot of wingers that can sort of, be, um, you know, like Moore and Bergwijn that are really good on the counter. But I think Kulicewski is a bit more technical and he's sort of started to show that, especially as he grew into the game. So I do think we're going to see some good things from him. I don't know if you've seen the quotes today. He's come out and says, he loves to suffer. And it's like, yeah, you've definitely joined the right club then because there's going to be plenty of that involved, mate. Don't worry about that. So um, I'm just sort of really impressed with both their attitude and the quotes. I know it's like easy, fan service, lip service, but the stuff that they're saying, the stuff that they're doing is is the right kind of start that we want. So, um, yeah, so far, so good. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing both of them in the next two games.
2: Um, Ash, I know you're perhaps the most Kulu um, sort of hesitant in terms of getting excited about him. What what did you make of his debut?
1: I agree. I thought he was uh, unlucky. My sort of concern is just like whether he's up to the pace of the league. But um, I have to remind myself that he's still like 21 um, and he's been playing for Juventus. And I, I watched some Palmer highlights because um, I've got nothing better to do with my time. And he looked really <laughs> good. Um, so I'm just really hopeful about him. And I like spoke to someone who said that he was like dishing out instructions like while he was a sub and he did the same when he came on and he's been there about five minutes and he's also I think he's like 23, 24 so yeah. to, like come into a club like a few days ago after getting there late from international duty and then be sort of dishing out instructions to people that have been there for years sort of feels like a really good sign um, and he had some really nice touches as well so I'm really excited about him. he just looks like a missing piece
4: oh yeah yeah, and yeah. i think uh, i I no, just no, think I that um. Yeah, it makes me sort of less worried about kind of a, like a skip injury as well. And just one other thing on Cooler is like, yeah, I'd forgotten that he came from Parma, which is just like, that's always going to like win you an extra point with me because I've just got like such fond memories of those like classic mm. Parma sides. And like my guy, Lillian Turam, like one of my favourite players of all time. So that's just like an extra little like bonus as far as I'm concerned.
2: I reckon he's going to, maybe he won't start... Um... Southampton game, but I, I could see him very quickly uh, taking Lucas's place. I felt like one thing that struck me watching the game on Saturday night was that Lucas's sort of unique brand of chaos ball where, you know, he's good for sort of taking on five players and making something happen when there's literally nothing else going on in the team, which has often been the case this season with Spurs, with Kane out of form and Son not always being available or particularly on it himself. I think he's he's such an asset to us when we are playing really terribly because you can just sort of give him the ball and wind him up and watch him go but playing within a functional Spurs team where and I think we did see Kane and Son looking a lot more like last season's sort of Kane and Son show I sort of wonder if you need that sort of brand of Lucas sort of hit and miss fun and perhaps having someone like Klosewski who's left-footed that can be on the right and cut in and offer a bit more sort of tactical stability, which feels a bit more um Conte friendly perhaps. I, I reckon he's gonna I reckon he's gonna be in quite quickly. Billy?
3: Yeah, I just want to shout out Emerson as well, because I think that's the best mm. game he's had in a while. And um he needed it badly. I think we sort of spent the whole literally the whole of January like talking about right wing backs and how he needed a right wing back. And I think you can kind of infer that he's sort of picked up that vibe himself because when he celebrated it seemed like he was sending a message to someone I don't particularly know who it was but he seemed like really enthusiastic to score um, <clears throat> and I think you know even if you take out the goal which probably did end up an own goal in the first place I think it was the first time in ages that he's actually looked a real threat to the fullback um, and he gave them like a terrible game and he was just like constantly bombing down that wing all game which is what we wanted to see from him which we haven't seen so maybe um you know maybe we've written him off too soon which sounds ridiculous as well because he's 22 and he's a Brazilian right back like he's got so much time to to turn it around for us and there's been a lot worse players in that right back position for us so maybe this is the start of, you know of him coming into the zone now so I just wanted to shout out him as well
2: and he seems like such a lovely bloke doesn't he like I, I think we're all rooting for him big time it'd be great if he could if he could turn it around and yeah Perhaps having a bit of a point to prove might not be the worst thing for him because, you know, he had absolutely no competition when he arrived and it was almost and granted it's still only Matt Doty now that it's his competition. But I think you're right, Billy, he probably has picked up that, you know, fans were a little bit excited about a new wing back coming in. And yeah, fingers crossed he can keep it up. Um so we're all very excited about Ben Tanker and Kulu as well, which got us to thinking, as I hinted at earlier, uh, about other memorable debuts in Tottenham shirts over the years. Um, so as ever, we threw the question open to you guys on Twitter. And as ever, as we're always uh, marvelling at how wonderful your responses are and how many of you do write in and we're, we're thrilled that you do. Um, we had tons. But first, um, Tom, what's your what what memorable debuts spring to mind when you when you think back?
5: I you put too much faith in pre-season friendlies uh, for a long time, uh, and used to go. And I have i ne- I'm definitely haven't been to a friendly in years, and I'm I'm not going to any. Um,
2: <laughs> really, you really th- hate them now.
5: <laughs> yeah, honestly, didn't we uh, we thrashed Roma that time 5-0? I think Bent got two and uh, Bent Lee got two. There was that weird tournament at Wembley where we played really well against Barcelona. Uh,
2: Jay Livermore scored against Barcelona, I think. Yes, memory serves, but yeah.
5: every time I'd be thinking, wow, these new players we've got are going to be amazing. So I can remember seeing Dos Santos, uh, to Rabd uh and yeah darren Ben, and thinking we are gonna have such a great season (laughs) and within weeks it falling apart so that is my like those are the debuts i remember at awful um at pre-season friendlies which somehow i thought meant something and uh after a few years realized they yeah they mean nothing (laughs) yeah I've gone the
4: other way now with preseason friendlies where I'm like I don't want to win too many because I'm so scarred by all of those years where we seem to go unbeaten and then it just inevitably like heralded an absolute collapse in the league so I'm like no thank you none of those and if we have to play them let's just lose
2: um staying with you Rosa give us give us your memorable debut please
4: Yeah, I'm really, really bad at this kind of thing. So literally the only one I could think of off the top of my head was Danny Rose on his Premier League debut, which obviously is completely iconic. And you know what's really weird, though, is that I was there for that game. And I think that was my first North London derby. But I like I don't have a memory of the goal. I think possibly because it was such a wild day and I was not very well prepared for like the intensity of the atmosphere <laughs> and I went by myself. And I remember just getting into the stadium and feeling like everybody in there was about to have a heart attack. So possibly that was just like, I think I've just kind of just had this sort of weird fog of memories, um, but obviously like, I mean, have we had like a better debut from anyone? Yeah. I don't really think.
2: I don't know that in terms of impact, um, and quite a few people on Twitter agree with you, Rosa. Luke, Luke Bower says Danny Rose by a mile. Um, FPL Nicholson says Danny Rose's Premier League debut, getting an amazing goal in the North London Derby win, pretty much perfect. Uh, ben Spencer also says Danny Rose, not many become a hero after scoring their first Premier League goal. Justin Stevens, Danny Rose wins it for me. A um, couple of people also pointed out that uh, Danny was so bad in that game after scoring that he ended up, I think, being. Subbed off either at half time or quite soon after half time because he was proving such a, a liability,
4: well, this <laughs> which again is it, feels it,
2: very Spurs.
4: Yeah, and it, for a while it was a completely dis- weirdly disappointing debut, right? Because he like his first few seasons at Spurs were then completely rocky, and no one. I mean, yeah. oh, Danny, he's had such an up and down journey with us, hasn't he? Really, but like he did end up being like one of our best players for a really long time. And in spite of that goal at that moment, probably no one could have foreseen that. I think it didn't even Rednap say like, he'll never do anything like that again. <laughs> like, Thanks boss. <laughs> that doesn't sound like
2: Harry at all. Um, Ash, give me yours, please.
1: So I've
4: gone for two
1: debuts, both strikers, both varying. Well, both the same level of success maybe, but... Soldado scored against Palace away um, which I went to and I just thought he'd arrived and that he was going to bang in like 30 a season and I think he scored a few more penalties and that was about it so that really stood out because I was just so excited about him coming to Spurs and then the other one was Andy Booth who we loaned, I, I, I literally found an article about this while we've been on the podcast and it says that um, Sergei Rebrov and Les Ferdinand were both injured in January 2001. So we signed Andy Booth. He played four games, zero goals. And I just remember being sitting in the North Stand at the old ground, watching him sort of lumber around and just thinking, how has this guy had the good fortune to play for Spurs? Um, and there's like a weird quote from Pleat where he says, we can only learn from Nash- Nash- uh, the Nationwide League or Scotland, and usually it's a player who is either surplus to requirements, or there's a weird contract scenario around. So we went for him, and I think that just says everything about him. He's just a useless player. Um. So yeah, that yeah. one. That one stood out. Poor old Andy. I feel like him and Saul Raziak
2: are always used as the the yardstick, and probably why Tom never gets his backup striker. The sort of PTSD that Spurs have exactly. had from those, those sort of signings. Um, Billy, what's yours?
3: Um, I've got a couple that I want to talk about. Um, one, I know we all got this out in our system last week um, when Charlie wasn't here, but um, speaking of what Tom was just saying, Delhi had a really good debut in, in against Real Madrid, very not maybe Modric. And then he was really good in his Premier League debut as well against Man United when he came on, but we've been into that enough last week, um, and it still hurts, to be honest. Um, then a really weird debut, I don't know if you guys remember in the avp era was like hugo lorisa's premier league debut do you remember how long that took like it was that yeah. weird period where like we signed like one of the best goalkeepers in the world but friedel was sort of playing for like ages and i just looked it up actually he didn't play until like the middle of october in the premier league um and his debut was against aston villa and he's kept a clean sheet um but there was just that weird period it was like everyone was like why is it and there was even like rumors linking with like transfers away and all sorts like yeah. it was just some weird like Weird period where we had this incredible goalkeeper who was being benched by Friedel for that record that he ended up getting. I think he played 310 consecutive Premier League games. Um, But the main one I want to talk about is Moussa Dembélé because I remember being at the the old White Hart Lane um, in in that same period, that AVB period. at the very beginning of his career and we were terrible at home for like the first few months. And uh, I think we were drawing nil, nil against Norwich and Dembele came on and he scored pretty quickly after coming on and everyone was like, oh, we've signed a goal-scoring midfielder. He scored loads at Fulham. He's going to score loads for us. And I think he maybe only scored like two or three more goals in like the seven or eight years that it was ever since then. But he ended up being one of the best midfielders we've ever had. So, so yeah, to Dembele.
2: Dembele gets Billy's Um I'll read out a few... Um my 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 one or two are within the uh, little roundup of Twitter ones that I'm going to do now so Rose we've covered Klinsman uh, Jimmy Wynn calls out Jürgen gotta be Klinsman's debut versus Sheffield Wednesday all the hype and excitement prior to the game he lived up to it with a bullet header from a peach of a cross from Antiton followed by that celebration add to that add to the mix an iconic kit and you have the perfect debut I can't disagree with that perfect tale of Tottenham um Eric Dyer, surprised no one called out Eric Dyer in the group. Um, Troy Parrot Watch says Eric Dyer. Danielle Hill, obviously Eric Dyer. Uh, CS says Eric Dyer, West Ham away. I lost an expensive pair of sunglasses in those limbs. If anyone has them, DM me. Um, so please, if anyone found, found some very pricey looking sunglasses in the old Upton Park, let us know and we'll find, we'll get them back to their rightful owner. Um, I sat in the, in a, Sort of the main West or East stand for that with my brother. I was offered some tickets through work, and uh I've never ever like I, we we didn't speak to each other until we got back to maybe London Bridge because we were just too scared of squealing with delight and some West Ham fans sort of twigging that we were we were Spurs. But I've just watching watching the limbs in the away end for that was just incredible. Sat with a load of incredibly pissed off with them fans excellent stuff um Mido came up quite a lot uh oh man Mido um Coop says I still buzz just thinking about Mido making his debut he looked unstoppable wasn't just the goals he did like a back-heeled flicky pass thing it was the best debut I've seen for Spurs um I think we beat Portsmouth 3-1 maybe in his debut if memory says um Blue Vice uh, also says Mido. Migo bagging two. I think both Dembele and Undombele insert crying emoji, scored on their debuts as well. Plus Dyes winner versus West Ham. So he's gone for the sort of Rosa school of just throwing in loads and that being okay. Um, (laughs) Actually, no, Rosa hated that, didn't she? It's now become Rosa's thing. Uh, Jamie Lee says Mido was unbelievable on his debut. I think he scored two against Pompey. Holtby looked like a world beater when he made his debut as well, either West Brom or Norwich away, I think. Um, I've been surprised by how often, particularly when we've interviewed guests, um, Lewis Holtby's name has come up more times, I think, on this podcast than perhaps was mentioned by fans during his fairly miserable spell with us. Um,
5: oh, we co- all loved him, briefly.
2: Yeah, weird cult hero, Lewis. Yeah. Um should probably ask him on the podcast, I reckon he's, I don't know what, I think he's playing like German second tier, maybe? Probably he's got time
5: for it let's be honest (laughs) game on
2: JP says uh, Mido was sensational versus Portsmouth probably his one and only good game Um, don't know about that it's a bit harsh Um, who was the guy that scored two bangers versus Everton and then was never seen again quiz question anyone remember or anyone get who he's talking about there
3: Dean Marnie right
2: Dean Marnie yeah or was that 5-2 as well I
3: think anyone goal of the season or something like that
2: yeah like what was that like 5-2 on New Year's Day or yeah. something I seem to remember a um, few other call outs Ryan Peace says Terapp coming on at the end against West Ham in 2007 winning the free kick the set up Berbatobs uh, equaliser then Stelteri happened I don't, I don't know if I realised that was uh, that was Terapp's debut wow that was a, that was a game um, Tottenham Simpson says David Bentley in a friendly versus Roma he has the same trauma of, that Tom has uh, he scored and I genuinely thought we would signed a high class player Um, Who is the priest agrees with Billy. I remember Dembele scoring his debut. Um, Jerusalem Spurs, Dean Marnie, two goals disappeared after that. A couple of people called out Eric Torsfett, who I seem to remember made his debut in a televised game against Forest um, and was absolutely dreadful and sort of confirmed a lot of the sort of stereotypes about uh, foreign goalkeepers that were sort of prevalent during that sort of late 80s. Uh, phase and everyone assumed it'd be a disaster but obviously went on to be one of our greatest keepers um, Ali Pally Kieran says Dean Richards scores then we concede five, that was the United 5-3 uh, I think we don't want to talk about that um, Jason Lee says Freddie Canute debut versus Leeds 2003, I was there, what a goal just a shame I decided to get Postiga on the back of my shirt instead of Freddie just before the game what a mistake that was uh, Daniel Jacobs, Royal Fox, had a blinder on his debut against that lot from down the road. Uh, Basil says, uh, Winston Plasios, if I'm not mistaken, debut at White Hart Lane in the North London Derby, and he was brilliant. Flying into tackles full of energy, covered every blade of grass. Um, a couple of people called out uh, Stefan Dalmat. Um, talking about cult heroes, I think he's up there. Uh, I think he made his debut in a cup game versus Charlton at home. Was unreal, but quickly went south after that. Um, that doesn't sound like a Spurs cult hero at all Um, and then finally Liddy White Rose says Ricardo Rocha brought on an extra time at the Emirates to solidify the defence in a League Cup semi-final instant weak header into the ground falls to Aladier Jesus Christ Um, who proceeds to bury it and we lose 3-1 Ricardo Rocha is up there for one of the most terrible players actually you were talking about Ricardo Rocha just before we came on weren't you
1: I, I may have misremembered this, but I think he gave like an interview or something after the game where he sort of was like, "What's the big deal? It's just like a header or something like that." And it's like <laughs> the London, it's a North London derby. What on earth is wrong with you? Um, so I just hated him from that point onwards.
4: No, I think I remember that as well, and I may also be like like really maligning him as because it, this may not be him, but there was also somebody around that time who was also terrible but then decided to like ask for like a new contract and a pay rise and I, re- I think it's him I think it was him and it like and like it got leaked somehow and I, I just remember reading it and just being like who like who do you think you are like <laughs> he's like I'm, I want more money or I'm gonna leave okay bye <laughs> he was about
2: like five foot four as well wasn't he he was like really tiny for a centre-back and was that header like didn't he try and like head it when he could have just like used his feet or something because yeah. it's really low yeah. really low to the ground um awful i mean talking about dreadful players playing in massive cup games he was he was up there um that was a nice little stroll down down memory memory white heart lane thank you for everyone uh plucking through the, the old memory banks so that was good um we looked Did, ahead um-
4: no, did, we don't. O- Did Rose's Ollie? Yeah, I just have one more thing. Just, um, did did Ollie not respond to that with the Eric Dyer um, debut? Because honestly, he's he was there on that day, and he's told me that story so many times. That I can't believe he'd have missed an opportunity to wheel that one out again.
2: Um, Rose's partner Ollie did not reply to us. No, so you can
4: he'll be absolutely can... gutted.
2: Uh, well, I reckon you'll be more gutted because if you mention it to him, he'll probably tell you the story again, Rosa. So
4: yeah, I mean, um, there's no way, there's no way of avoiding it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I'll spare everybody here. <laughs> but it was a, yeah. it was a Kane assist, right?
2: It was, yeah. Yeah, Kane assist. Um, mad game though. Know? We went down to ten men, if, uh, if I remember. Carl Norton got sent off for, I think handling on oh, the line.
4: Okay, naughts Yeah, one of one of uh, many sendings off, I believe.
2: And then Martin a man Noble in the wrong position
4: the, so often.
2: Seriously, yeah, <laughs> the wrong, the wrong Kyle, literally. Um,
5: Maybe the wrong job. Uh,
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, and then Mark, Martin Noble missed the penalty, and then they had a man sent off, I think. And then yeah, we nicked it right at the end. I amazing mean, Pochettino's first game, amazing. Um, right, Southampton and Wolves at home this week. All the all the home games uh, for us. So Southampton a twelfth. They've scored 26 goals. They've conceded 34 goals in from their 22 games. They needed extra time to beat Coventry 2-1 at home in the Cup uh, on the weekend. Um, annoyingly, it does seem like they've got quite a few players back for our game. So looking at the uh, sort of injury news, um, I think it seems like uh, Gineppo is back from the Africa Cup of Nations. Um uh, Mohamed Salisu, I think, got sent off against us, but is quite highly rated. If I, uh, if I'm reading stuff correctly, he's back. I think um, Romeo is also going to be back in the starting lineup. By the sounds of it, we should beat them, right? No one's that stressed about this game. I think we're going to win. I've always, I also think we're going to like win four 0 I think we've got. I think there's like there's a thrashing brewing at the top of the Hotspur Stadium. We've got 13 points from 15 since Conte took over. The only points we've dropped were against Liverpool and I just think that there were signs against Brighton where I thought the next team to come up against us and not really be 100% at it are going to get absolutely thrashed and I think Southampton are that team. Who is with me? Billy, are you with me?
3: yeah i am with you i do i don't think it's going to be like the, the, it's like a potential banana team game but i do think
2: well you're not with me then so i'm gonna move
3: on, <laughs> I, on I am i am still with you but i do think we've just stepped up a level um i think people like romero coming in like games like this we just got to win them and we will win them um i think if you that weird chelsea game has kind of thrown it a little bit but if you look at the games before then like the leicester game and stuff and the brighton game we've had we've been on a really decent run of form um, so I do think we'll beat them quite easily. I'm a little bit more worried about the Wolves game because I'm just having a look at the Premier League form table right now. our Wolves are third in that moment, they've won um, four games out of their last six, they've drew against Chelsea and they've lost against Man City and they beat Man United, so they're on a really decent run of form, so I think I do think we will win both games, but I think the Wolves game might be like a 1 0, just shut up shop and get out of their job. But I think Southampton get a nice early cane ball and then go on to Fresh and hopefully. I don't think they're going to be like the easiest games because bear in mind, um, Southampton's the last Premier League game they just drew against Man City and played really well. But I, th- I think it's going to click for us. I really do at home under Conte now. Um, and if we want any chance of being in the top four, we've got to win both of these games. So I think it's yeah. huge, huge games really. Because I think after that, we've got four away games in a row. Is that right? After We've that, got a mad
5: spell now, yeah. We've
2: yeah. um, so got to win
3: these two. Got to.
5: Sorry, I was just going to say the last time we played um, Southampton, they did dominate us in that in the first half until they had a man sent off. Um, they were they were really good. I just mostly hope I think James Ward-Prowse is going to score, isn't he? I just really uh, I just like him. We've been linked to him, and I think Guardiola recently said he's the best free kick taker in the in the world right now um so yeah he's bound to score uh I'm glad is not playing for Wolves uh he got an assist I believe the other day um for Barcelona um and also yeah I'm excited to get back to the ground because our home fixtures have just been so stop start because of Mm. um cancellations and Covid and everything that It feels like we have sort of three or four games bunched up and then two months with nothing. It's really quite strange.
2: Um, Rosa, I detected that you were on my Southampton thrashing hype train before Billy reminded me that they outplayed Man City and James Ward-Prowse is going to score a free kick from 35 yards. Can you pet me back up, please?
4: Yeah, I think we're going to be fine. Uh, One, we're going to get revenge for that ridiculous game in which I don't think they dominated us for i I would say they dominated us for the first 20 minutes and we were stupid and just didn't (laughs) seem to wake up to the threat and but even with that we still should have won and we scored a perfectly good goal two perfectly good goals and we should have won so i don't think that's going to happen again i think we'll be too much of them we'll be at home i feel like i don't think james will powers is going to I think someone will be on him. I think we'll be sensible about it. We'll be awake.
2: Ben Sankur. Be exactly.
4: On. Exactly. Not a problem. And um, I think we'll be all right against Wolves as well because I think with both of those teams, fine, they've had some good results against bigger teams. But that's like, that's not a sustainable thing I really can't think of about words that's a disgrace (laughs) Um, it's not sustainable (laughs) I'll rephrase um so I think they've had their good results against bigger teams and I think um I think we'll smash both of them there I said it and I'm not taking it back
2: I like it Wolves are really really weird when you look at their so they've they've played 21 games they've scored 19 goals and they've conceded 16 which um it's just like a pittance at both ends. Weird, weird team walls. Um, Ash, I was gonna ask you, would you would you like make any decent changes to the lineup? Would you bring Bentoncoor in for, for Southampton? Would you start Kulu? What would you do?
1: Um, I like to just keep with the same team. Cause they looked really I thought they looked so comfortable. I, I felt really relaxed um during the first half on Saturday night and then they kind of threw that away. Like the first 10 minutes of the second half, they kind of like quietened down and let um, Brighton back in the game. But I'd like to see the same team start and then like we can bring on the reinforcements. But I think we should win. Um, like Rose said, we should have won that game. I think, was that the same game that Dyer had was sort of like rugby tackled to the ground as well? I can't remember. But no,
2: so That was Watford, you're thinking of.
1: Yeah, but either way, like we had the two goals that we should, mm. we should have been allowed and yeah I, I think we should win hopefully the first the first one comfortably Wolves obviously they're a better side so it's going to be tougher but I, like Bill said I think we have to win both for top four yeah like I think we need to find out how good we are like this week
2: um, Wolves have got they've got Arsenal this week as well haven't they so they've got an enormous week with us and them so hopefully kind of Wolves and Arsenal can take um you know can sort of keep the shit out of each other and wolves can be nice and knackered coming into our game. Um Tom and Billy would you would you start Bentonker particularly or even Kolarsevski would you bring in the, either of them in?
3: Um I you know what I'd be tempted to Bentonker but I don't think he will and I wouldn't be that aggrieved by it like I think it's just too early days. Um you never know like two games in 3 days whatever it is of Southampton Wolves you, you might see him in the Wolves game but I think he's going to play it safe um, because for the simple fact that it takes like Conte is one of those managers that like his system just is going to take a few days to learn for these players. I know they can probably come on in an FA Cup game for like ten minutes at the end or whatever, but to to be in a Conte team, I would. it took us, if you remember his journey, like conte has been on, it took us like good three or four games to really get into the rhythm of the system. Um, so I think the same will be with those players as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe one of them start the second game against Wolves, but I think he'll stick with the same team as Brighton. And like Ash said, that team is like, that was a brilliant performance against Brighton. So I wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be worried about that at all.
5: Billy's right. Um, it was a big performance against Brighton. So why would you change anything? I think play it safe. And also, as Billy said, it's going to take him a while to convert the new signings into wing-backs as well. <laughs> so <laughs> we've got to give him time there.
3: Yeah, my, my worry with that is, and I know it's a worry that we, we spoke about last week as well, is it's like three games in the week for Kane and like, we're in a position that we always seem to find ourselves in where we can't drop Harry Kane. And um, <clears throat> you just worry, like it's a, it's a lot of game time that Kane's going to be in. So if you hopefully Charlie is right and if we do beat Southampton comfortably or we beat one of them managed to get some get a decent win we're going to have to take Kane off because like I think after this, we've we've got like a game, two games a week for like the, for the foreseeable. So we can't just keep starting Kane for all of them. Like something's going to have to give somewhere. It'd be interesting to see how he plays up. Which is why, when the news came out, there was like a Twitter rumor that came would the start against Brighton. I thought it was actually fair enough. I'm glad he did start. Don't get me wrong, and I'm glad that he got those two goals. But he he can't play all of these games. So it's going to be interesting to see how we how we manage Kane over the next month or so when we've got like a outrageous amount of games and like four of them away up north in a row.
2: Mm-hmm. My, I guess my hope is that the sort of weird little break that we've just had, um, where it was only, well, the sort of European countries didn't have internationals, so most of our squad just sort of had like a week off. I, I hope that, whereas normally this is like, you know, Kane sort of danger territory where his ankles his start giving up around now, he instead has had a nice break and he's been able to rest and can go into this period. Uh, a little more refreshed than he normally is because he looked absolutely like right on top of his game again. I thought, against Brighton and, and really fit as well. And I, I saw some people on Twitter sharing photos of, um, and you know, they can often be slightly misleading from certain angles, etc. But photos of Kane in sort of in kit from the beginning of the season to now. And it looks like he's like lost the stone or something. He just looks so much, so much fitter. Um, Ash what do you reckon
1: Yeah I think that's true Like He does look fitter And I think we shouldn't forget Well I definitely haven't forgotten Because he's still in my bad books But like he showed up late And really have a pre-season So perhaps in a sort of like Weird fucked up narrative Like we're now going to like benefit from him Like showing up late And like hopefully we get the the usual Kane For like this last stretch of the season Because I really believe If he shows up and does his thing Like We'll just comfortably walk for because he's that good. Um, but like Bill says, like there's so many games um, mm-hmm. and he can't play every game. So I'm intrigued to see what Conte does. Fingers
2: crossed. No injuries. I'm um, going to keep the good vibes going because uh, I'm basically convinced we're going to win both those matches. Um, Spurs women also had a lovely weekend, uh, also against Brighton. Um, they won 4-0 with two goals from Kai Simon. A uh, crucial second goal from Ash Neville, came on at half-time, and first ever Tottenham goal for our captain, Shalina Zdorsky. Um Rosa, I know Brighton haven't been playing well. I think that was their seventh game without a win. But it does feel like that was exactly the sort of game where we haven't been putting the opposition to bed when one nil up, which we did. What did you reckon?
4: Yeah, it was absolutely glorious. I mean, just talking about um, you know a, a thrashings are coming um, that like absolutely wasn't in a way um, because like you said, it just felt like we'd we'd been really you know not sort of struggling to like you know we won a few games but then been sort of struggling to put some games to bed and kind of let teams back in. So when um, Neville scored the second goal, it was like amazing, job done, that's kind of all we wanted but then instead it sort of turned out that the, the floodgates were open really and it just ended up being a sort of real joyous afternoon which I think richly deserved and also the team sort of needed it after the um, sort of disappointing exit from the Conti Cup in the week. Um, it's true obviously that Brighton haven't been playing very well but at the same time you, that's that's the kind of game when you need to be able to kind of have those results and put those kind of um, to just properly kill those teams off, really, which is what they haven't been doing. So suddenly it looks like you know Champions League may be back on. I mean, it's it's probably not. Got a couple of um, got one sort of easier game against Birmingham coming up, but then we got to go to Reading, I think, and they're playing pretty well. I think they're just behind us in fifth, um, but still, the game like, in hand. Yeah, 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 so. Really well. Exactly. But still amazing and just and so much fun to to have some other people on the score sheet, including Shalina. So like a great day. And also I've got this weird like just kind of petty hatred for brighton because i feel like loads of people like leave london because they you know can't hack it here and then go oh but you know it's just like london but by the sea and i'm like it really isn't and it's fine if you like it there but don't pretend that it's like london so just for me that was just like extra satisfying to see us beat brighton twice in a week so sorry for any like brighton dwellers or brighton fans but um you know this is the hometown glory podcast so just have to live with it i'm afraid
2: I'm slightly concerned, Rosa, that this is where your 2022 peaks. Because how, how's, how's it going to get better than two victories over what is clearly your most hated town in the United Kingdom?
4: I mean, I have a lot of other petty hatreds. So don't worry, <laughs> we're working through the list. It's not a problem.
5: <laughs> Sorry, Brighton, stick your vegan calves up your ass. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll, just, I'll just add that I am vegetarian, not vegan, but I, I <laughs> like a veggie calf or vegan.
2: There. Please don't, please don't bother. me. Why don't you just this move, this move to Brighton, Tom?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, Billy, were you going to sort of arm Rose's argument with some more uh, bullets there or...?
3: No, I just wanted to go for an early culture pick because I don't know if you've ever seen it but um, for me the GOAT stand-up comedian Stuart Lee he does an amazing routine about people who have just left London and it just reminded me of what Rose just said so if you ever have a spare five minutes search for that it's, it's like Stuart Lee's routine on people who have just moved away from London and it, is, it exactly echoes what Rose was just saying so that's brilliant
2: I reckon Rose is funnier to be honest um, let's, uh, let's move on to our culture picks then um, Ash, I want you to go first um, tell me what music I should be listening to in this week please
1: Um, There's a really good hip hop album out by this artist called Sabah, S A B A, and the album's called A Few Good Things. Um, The album previous to this was like just really highly rated um, by critics and fans, and the new one's equally as good. So I've been listening to that a lot. There's a soul artist from, I think he's from Southampton called Sam Henshaw, um, who put out an album on Friday that's also really good. And then I'm not going to attempt to say the name of the singles, but um, Stromet, the French artist, has like two new songs and they're both incredible. I think they're a few weeks old now, but if you can, watch the live performances on YouTube. Um, It's like a one-shot take. And um, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. So that's what I've been listening to this week.
2: Um, You've been to any shows?
1: Uh, I I went to see Rhythm Section. Um, like show on Saturday night, which was like, it was cool. It was all right, not amazing. Oh,
2: okay. We won't go. To, we won't delve too much deeper there. Um, Tom, your picks, please.
5: Uh, well, I'm hoping soon I'll have some more um cultural with a capital C picks. I'm going to see Cabaret, I'm doing Jazz Hands, um, you can't <laughs> see me, but uh, on the Zoom I'm doing Jazz Hands, I'm going to see Cabaret on Friday with Eddie Redmayne. He's, he's um, still doing them, he's still, still doing, doing them. Jazz hands. I haven't been to the theatre in like three, four years, So, and I still call the interval half time, I've been to the th- theatre a lot, you know, a fair bit i a cultured guy, but still, my wife tells me off when I call the interval halftime. Like, when the fuck is half time? Anyway, that'll be good. Uh, <laughs> but for now, until I get more, a bit more deeply cultural, uh, I just wanted to recommend a uh, producer and singer called Nia Archives, N-I-A Archives. She, I believe, is from London, super young. Uh, and I think kind of broadly she makes jungle i guess but it's quite on the soulful um kind of reggae tinged end, end of um of jungle i think uh she had a really great single out end of last year called 18 and over that was quite ravey the next one that she just released love like luv like um is yeah a bit softer And more soulful. And uh, I just read an interview earlier with her saying that she's a big fan of Jay Diller and Burial and Roots Maneuvers production. So you can kind of hear that um, on this new track. And, yeah, she produces, sings, releases it all on her own label at the moment. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, one of the majors signs her soon because it's a really cool sound. And I think Jungle is back. Billy can probably confirm that. Bill, do you care to confirm?
3: Uh, yeah, it's definitely on the way back and, and I think she's one of the most exciting producers and it kind of um, brings us nicely to something that we spoke about. All I've mentioned before is that she's also on a remix album for Pink Pantherist. Um It's just come out, I think came out last week. Um, and also she's, Anne's is on there as well. So there's like loads of female producers at the moment that are just killing it. And I think like Nia Alkaz and and are two of the ones which we mentioned on this podcast that, and are just sort of right at the very top of the game at the moment. So yeah, Jungle is definitely on the way back and I think it's seems to be the female producers that are leading the charge in it at the moment um,
2: I have a slight admission to make actually Tom re uh, near archives I played that track in the car over the weekend and uh, Emily my wife loved it and Instagrammed about it and credited me for introducing it to her uh, I later discovered that she had quite a few very cool people sort of being like oh man what a great song like amazing that you're discovering all these new artists and that your husband's so cool recommending them so this is me coming clean um fine. On, oh, yeah you can, own it. Oh, you can have it I mean I I'd, well I, I felt it felt you know it felt cheap and I felt a bit dirty about it it's fine um, I didn't
5: I didn't discover her Billy was probably on her way before I was anyway because he is the king of <laughs> the rave scene and cinema as well Billy come on what have you got this week
3: yeah how you many might- times have you been to the cinema? Oh, none because you've had COVID. Yeah, exactly. Of so I've had COVID. So I, I, you know what? I made this intention to like watch every single like best picture rumored film that's going to be up this year. And I started making my way through them. Um, so I watched Mass, Belfast, and Come On, Come On. Um, so Mass is like this film about these two families that are involved in a mass shooter in america it's the parents of the the kid that did it and the parents of one of the victims they like having this meeting which i think is based on like a real practice in south africa where they have these i can't remember exactly what they call them where they try and get these families in a room to discuss things and the, literally the whole film is set in this one room with four actors in and um, one of them is jason isaacs and it's an amazing amazing film and it's like so deep i watched belfast which is pretty good as well which has got a It's like littered with a few Tottenham references, so that gets an extra point for that one. And then I watched Come On, Come On, which has got Joaquin Phoenix in, um, where he's like a radio host who goes around interviewing children. And the good thing about it is, like, they're like genuine interviews of children. It like mixes in a bit of documentary stuff in there. But then I just like, as the COVID got worse, I just like stopped being able to watch films, and I like had to watch something that required absolutely no concentration whatsoever. So I started watching Reach on Amazon Prime, which is like just like a terrible action TV show, but I absolutely loved it. It's like that classic kind of action thing where, you know, like a Denzel Washington role um, where you get like one guy who can like beat up 12 other guys with his hands and that's what Reacher does. Um, and that's just exactly what I needed at the time. So i shout out Reacher on Amazon Prime, which is taken from the Jack Reacher books. Um, and I think there's been a couple of unsuccessful, like Tom Cruise films about Jack Reacher that have mm. gone down quite badly. But this is like absolutely nailed it, I think. So if you're into like mindless action that you just can stick on and not have a single brain cell use up watching it, that's what I'll go for. It's really, really good. But I am now going to make my way back through the rumoured Oscars Best Picture winners as well.
2: Um, I'm surprised that the streaming companies aren't targeting people with COVID, like with certain shows and saying if you are cooped up with COVID, this is exactly the sort of mindless crap that you will absolutely devour. Um, uh, Billy Which also... Which was at the
3: beginning was like a Tiger King, wasn't it? Like That's what everyone yeah. was like, That was the original yeah. COVID.
5: That's what Below Show. Deck is for me. <laughs> uh, a lot of Below Deck.
4: Oh, Jenna's I mean, recommendation was Below Deck.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are, I've watched probably... Uh, 25 seasons of it and there were, <laughs> yeah, and there's like 14 hours a, a series um and it's terrible it's like so it's weirdly compelling but um and not everyone's very beautiful in, in it but um it's a terrible reality show so that's like a month of your life <laughs>
4: It's yeah. like that amazing gag in Girls 5 Ever where um, Wiki goes to like join that reality TV show and she's like, are we filmed like 100 seasons in a month or something? <laughs> yeah, it is like that. Um, Was it called Ga- like Warrior Singer?
2: Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Just, Just this to circle our... back
4: to Girls 5 Ever. So good. Our, our Everyone weekly... really needs to watch it.
2: Our weekly plea for all our listeners to watch Girls 5 Ever. Um Billy just going back to your film recommendations quickly did I detect that you weren't that hot on Belfast because I feel like most people I know that have seen um Kenneth Branner's Belfast uh absolutely loves it but were you not that hot on it
3: you know what I thought it was good but it is it's like it was made exactly to try and win best picture at the Oscars it's got like it was like it was done by that sort of um focus group to try and win an Oscar it's got like it's in black and white and it's like so like um Mork-ish and stuff it, you know it, it does just about get away with it because the cast are really decent like the, i forget the name of the kid that's in it who plays it's basically autobiographical about his life in belfast and um, the kid that plays the um the essential the kind of runner character is really really good and jamie doran is decent and then his mum is really good it just about gets away with it but it's on that verge of like oscars mush that kind of like it's it's basically just been designed to invest pictures so i did like it i wasn't like in love with it i would say Mass which is not getting much I think the one of the actors I can't remember the name but the one that's in um, Handmaid's Tale is getting Oscar buzz for it and I think she's going to be nominated for it but I think that's a far better film and it's on Sky I think for free so if, you, if you've if you got like two hours where you want to watch an like, incredible display of action then i um, acting then I'll definitely go for Mass instead of Belfast
2: okay I'm glad I dug a bit deeper but it does um, it
3: does have several Tottenham references in it so it is worth it for Belfast as well just for that a lot
2: of Danny Blanchflower right mm.
3: Yeah, from Spurs fan Kenneth Branner, so yeah, it's worth it for that.
2: I mean, Kenneth Branagh's sort of output will probably never, ever top uh, the kind of narration he does in one of Tottenham's 16 pre-match videos, uh, which oh, I, I always try and find on YouTube, but um feel like it gets taken down quite quickly or whatever. Anyway, Rosa, I want to know about yours, please.
4: Um, I just want to uh, get back to um, Tom's uh like upcoming cultural pick, because that's another of my like petty hates is Eddie Redmayne. So I really love Cabaret, <laughs> but I really despise Eddie Redmayne. So i would be interested to see yeah. um, how that works out, really.
5: I'm not a massive fan, but Jessie Buckley, who's the female lead in it, is generally so good in everything. What that wild rose that she was in about the country singer was is a really surprisingly great film.
4: Yeah, and I mean that's the you know Sally Bowles. That's the main part. So um, hopefully, although is he playing the MC or? her? I know nothing
5: about cabaret, so I might I might text you and just so I'm not really confused. Is it set in Germany? Have I made that
4: up? It is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Weimar Germany. Yeah, so that's just all I know. Yeah, it's it's it is amazing, and it's got some pretty sort of chilling sequences as well um yeah i'm quite i'm um, well i'm sort of half jealous and half not yeah be interested to hear your thoughts on I'll it i'll let you know yeah anyway um yeah i don't really feel like i've got like a lot of cultural picks this week cuz i feel like i'm just kind of catching up on everything that everybody else recommends so like i'm only like one further episode into yellow jackets because it's sort of too scary to watch more like you can't really binge that um so we're only four episodes in um I was excited to see that Rosalia had a new song this week, Spanish singer, because I really love her and I've loved everything she's done. And it feels like it's been ages since she's released any new music. So that's exciting. Um, and I loved the Neo Archive song that you recommended as well, Tom. Um, and I just started watching the After Party on Apple TV last night, which I've only I'm only mm-hmm. one episode in. And. Um, But, like, it did have me absolutely, like, in bits at certain moments. Like, the cast is so fun. Like, Sam Richardson is a delight. And, obviously, like, the, like, good Franco, Dave, is amazing. And then there's, like, an unbelievably hilarious cameo from Channing Tatum, which is just worth it. Like, there's just a couple of minutes where Ollie and I were just both in pieces over this little scene. Um, So it's, for those who don't know, it's set. On the It's like a 15 um, year high school reunion and like somebody is found dead at the beginning of it. So it's all going to be told sort of in flashback, I think, from the perspective of like all of the different participants. Right. So the first one was Sam Richardson, who people, if they don't know, they should know him from Veep. Where he, I can't. What was his name in Veep? I've totally forgotten it. It's like
2: Richard. Richard
4: something. I but he's um. Richard he's like Joan. Yeah, and he's like Jonah's assistant, isn't he? He's yeah. He's so good, and he also pops up in an episode of Ted Lasso. Like, so this is nice. He's sort of suddenly playing like the romantic lead, which is just really, really cute. But he's like an extremely talented guy, and it's just got like such a good, fun cast as well. Like Tiffany Haddish is in it as well. Um, ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec yeah. is in it. Ilana, Ilana Glazer is in it. Yeah, um, from Broad
2: City, our favourite Jamie Dimitriu is in it as well. It's really like they've just gone through and handpicked like standout comedy actors from like the last five, ten years and smushed them all together into a whodunit. It's yeah really good. I are a few episodes ahead, I think, and I'm not going to say anything because I definitely don't want to um spoil it for Rosa. But you're completely right in that each character gets a sort of an episode and the story is told from their perspective and it's done really, really well. The sort of tone of each episode shifts. So Ben Schwartz's episode, he plays Jasper, um, who uh, is trying to sort of restart his music career. And he gets a few sort of song and dance numbers that are fantastic.
4: Oh, nice. Uh, we get a musical. I like it. Do we get like a weird art house one from the um, arty girl you might
2: you might is. do you might do i don't want to give away too much because it's uh, okay. it's a really insane show billy have you been watching it
3: no i haven't but i do have a question for rosa um just because it's been a little while since we've been down this avenue together um i just wondered what you made of the latest episode of the mandalorian i mean i'm um, sorry the latest episode <laughs> I, um, I really I wanted, wanted to, to discuss
4: name. that with you as well yeah it's it, it's become like unfortunately sort of essential viewing from not being essential viewing and that's just by turning into, like, a completely different show, basically, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, it has. And I saw, like, a tweet that was said, like, all popular culture now is just like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's just, like, pointing at the TV and be, like, remembering stuff. And that's, like, exactly <laughs> where the, the Boba Fett has just gone. It's just gone right. Let's just go back to Star Wars fans remembering stuff about Star Wars and it's just, like, fully embraced that culture and it's made, been much better because of it, I think.
4: And it also led me down my own, like, personal sort of nostalgia um, Valley, I guess, where because T- Timothy Olyphant shows up again, and I absolutely love him. He's one of my favorite actors. I mean, aside from anything else, like he's obviously unbelievably handsome, but he's in like two shows that I really love, which was Deadwood and Justified. And there's this whole thing about the use of him in Boba Fett is just basically like directly referring those two roles as well, and like bringing all of his like easy charm and charisma to bear. So it is. Yeah, it's like, it's got the kind of general Star Wars nostalgia and then like a little bit of personal nostalgia for me too. Yeah, it's really fun, that show. But yeah, it is not Boba's show anymore, alas.
3: I think he literally had one line and the main, so he's the main character for those of you that don't watch it. Um, I think he had one line in the last episode and maybe no lines in the episode before, I think. Um, so yeah, they've just literally got, they've even, I think they've even got bored of their own title character, to be fair, and just go back to other Star Wars characters.
4: Yeah, we haven't seen any like um, showrunners get bored of their own character since like the glory days of Dawson's Creek, just to refer back to our own. (laughs) Don't get me
5: started again.
2: (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, everyone, a Dawson's Creek special is uh, in production. Uh, We're working up exactly what the three and a half hours will uh, be filled with. Um, Unless you two nerds have got anything else Star Wars-y to talk about, I'll do mine, yeah? You finished, mate? We'll do a bit more okay good (laughs) Um, I've just got a couple of things Um, I was going to talk about the after party but Rose has done that beautifully but definitely watch that really really do recommend that show on Apple TV Plus I really liked um, Three Dimensions Deep which is an album that Amber Mark put out this week Um, she's someone who I first heard quite a few years ago now and she put out an EP called 3.33am which sort of got a lot of buzz at the time and then she sort of not really well this is her first album proper it's a lot of sort of EPs and sort of direction sort of shifts in terms of sound but this is a really lovely kind of spacey soul R&B record that um, I've really enjoyed just having on sort of whilst I've been working this week so I thoroughly recommend that and then I've been reading a book called Dirty Work um, by isle Press it's a non-fiction um, US book which investigates um, basically, the jobs America would like to prefer—sorry, the, the jobs that America prefers to pretend don't really exist. So it's things like slaughterhouse work, drone operators, sort of killing from distance, prison staff, complicit and abuse. Um, there are tons of incredibly sensitively and powerfully written case studies of people in these jobs, um, and yeah, really pulls the curtain back on the sort of social and uh, economic inequalities that force people into these roles um, and the sort of blind eyes that really we all turn in order for our world to function as it does. Um, It's quite heavy as I've just sort of made out and it's quite bleak, but really incredibly written and the research and the case studies are just phenomenal. Um, And yeah, just got me thinking this week. Um, I realized I really should have gone first uh, with these picks so that I didn't finish the episode with, the world's bleakest book. Um, Usually, that's I, Rosa
5: with the world's Rosa. bleakest book.
2: Yeah, some sort of poor. Don't worry, I'll be back person.
4: next week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's my turn for misery corner this week, and that's what I'm going with. Um, I don't think Spurs are going to have a miserable week though. We're going to thrash Southampton, and we're going to eke past uh, Wolves. So we're all very excited, and we're very excited that you stuck with us for episode 15 of Hometown Glory. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, Billy. And Billy T, please see us out.
3: Up the Spurs.